Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Remember to join us next Wednesday, August 15th at 6.30 p.m. at the Ferndale Area District Library to, to discuss Matthew Desmond's Pulitzer Prize winning book, Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City. We are reading that book as part of the Detroit Today Summer Book Club and talking about evictions as well as other issues of housing insecurity here in southeast Michigan. Uh, next Wednesday, we're going to talk about the effect of evictions on children and families and education in Ferndale. We also have some other events planned throughout the summer. You can go to WDET.org, find out about them, or you can go to Facebook and look for the Detroit Today Summer Book Club, where we are discussing the book and these issues of housing insecurity. So we hope to see you next Wednesday. All right. uh, We're going to spend the hour today talking about all of the news that came out of the Michigan primary yesterday. Uh, A record number of voters turned out to decide who will represent the major parties in the gubernatorial race, who will replace John Conyers in Congress. And of course, there were lots and lots of local issues. We want to hear from you all hour about the primary. Uh, Talk to us about the thing that jumps out at you most. There was so much news yesterday, and there are still some things we're waiting to find out for sure, whether they happened or didn't. What was the thing that caught your eye? What's the thing that you're most excited about that happened yesterday? What was the thing that surprised you uh, about yesterday? And what's the thing that you're looking forward to most this fall? What's the campaign that you are keeping the closest eye on? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we will work you into the conversation a little later in the program. We are going to talk with Dan Keldy, the Democratic congressman from the 5th District in Flint, about what his takeaways were from yesterday's voting. Uh, Debbie Dingell, the Democratic congresswoman from the 12th District, will also be here to talk about what we're looking at going into the fall. But up first, uh, Zach Gorchow, who is the editor of Gongwa, a state capital news service that's based in Lansing, joins us to talk about what he saw with yesterday's uh, big news. Zach, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah. So let's start with that number. Uh, 27%, they are saying, uh, turned out for Michigan primary. That's not just a record. That's a record by quite a bit, if if my memory serves. Uh, What did we learn, and what were the big surprises? Well, I, I think as far as the uh, the turnout goes, um, I, you know, it is an open seat race for governor year, and you got you had two really competitive, expensive primaries in both parties, and then you have this surge of energy on the Democratic side, and a ton of candidates were running, you know, primaries in areas that don't usually have primaries, and I, I think just the the national uh, motivation seems to have uh, gotten a lot of people out to the polls. Um, what it portends for November, that, that is difficult to say. You know, historically, primary turnout and voting patterns don't really portend anything sure. when it comes to the November general election. You know, oftentimes, people will, will try to uh, make a claim that, well, this shows that you know, this particular party is, is positioned well. And it's just... 
it's risky business to go down that road. You know, it's, the parties weren't competing against each other. They, they were competing, you know, against one another. Right. And, uh, but I think what we can say is, you know, voters appear very, very motivated for a midterm. I was right going to say, I mean, um, the, the, the thing is you had, you had not only, uh, this, this gubernatorial race, which is, uh, important the first time in eight years, of course, that, uh, that's an open seat. You had a lot of congressional races that, that are, are dealing with, uh, contested issues and, and, uh, and races. You had two open seats just here are three open seats just here in in southeast michigan uh it, it, that that alone is enough i think to to motivate uh, more voters than normal right to 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 get to the polls yeah absolutely i mean you know three open seats that you know where there was a lot of activity mm-hmm. that's a big deal you had an, uh, a primary for the republicans for us senate and it wasn't even it, and there were primaries big on both sides you know you look at that 11th congressional district in Oakland and Wayne counties mm-hmm. there were five candidates on each side for the republicans and the democrats all working turnout all working get out the vote efforts you know these these things do have an impact yeah. no question yeah uh, let's talk about what happened with Wayne county balloting there uh. there were a number of problems throughout the day and then as returns were coming in uh, last night, it, it seemed, and and maybe it was just uh, my sort of tired eyes uh, seeing this, but it, it seemed as though we would get reports that there were a number of precincts that were counted, and then the next report would come out, and there were fewer. Uh, the, 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 there was just all kinds of things that seemed to be going wrong there, and that's not unusual. It's not the first time that's happened, of course, but that's sort of a, a, a running story is, can we get the vote right here in South I mean, Michigan? like you said, that we, you know, you and I have both covered a lot of elections that involve Wayne County, and there always seems, every election, it's always like, oh, Wayne County. This was the worst I can remember, though. This was an absolute debacle. We still don't know the outcome of a whole pile of races as you and I are speaking right now. In fact, I just spoke with one political consultant about what to make of what's going on in Wayne County. I said, are there any believable numbers? And he said to me, I wouldn't trust anything out of Wayne County right now. Wow. Um, that, that's how ridiculous it is. Uh, their widget on their website to, to show results is still not working. Mm-hmm. Um, the one summary report they've put up still shows a ton of outstanding vote, and, and no one is really available to say whether those numbers are believable. Like you said, precinct, the number of precincts reporting was going down after from where it was. That's yeah. obviously not a good sign. Um, you know, I, I've been trying to get answers as to what's happening with a, uh, what would be an absolutely shocking upset involving State Senator David Knizek, who mm-hmm. represents the west mm-hmm. side of Detroit and some western Wayne suburbs, who was not on the radar screen at all had a really a, a total unknown opponent who was spending nothing uh hadn't really made any waves that anyone could discern and supposedly she's way ahead right now right. although no one can say right you know you talk to every you know the people who are paid to figure out what's going on they're like we really don't know we're going to have to get to the Wayne County Board of Canvassers meeting this afternoon to find out if this is real uh, they're describing the numbers as quote unquote goofy mm-hmm. i mean it, it's just preposterous it's, yeah should not be the case, and it's not the case in 
virtually every other county in the state. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Zach Gorchow, editor of Gongwara, which is a state capital news service based in Lansing. We're talking about the results from yesterday's Michigan primary elections here in Southeast or uh, the whole state of Michigan. Uh, we're talking about the results, uh, the record turnout, 27% is what the number is being reported as right now. That's an incredible number for a primary election. And we're talking about going into the fall, what we might expect out of these campaigns and the results. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. We would love to hear from you this hour about what of all of the news that jumped out of these elections yesterday is catching your eye the most. What's the race that you're paying the most attention to? Uh, what are the dynamics that you are most captivated by in these uh, elections? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. As always, on the phones, that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your uh, comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag us, and we'll work you into the conversation. Don on Twitter says, Talib's win and El Syed taking 30% as basically a socialist Dem Muslim, both against the whole party establishment, are two of the biggest stories pointing to Bernie Kratz taking over the party that national media are overlooking. Zoe on Twitter says, I notice how Whitmer won narrowly considering, considering how many votes the two other more progressive candidates got. This tells me there is a lot of progressive energy out there and it seems to be building. Uh, Zach, uh, you, you do have this dynamic in the Democratic Party that dates back to, to the presidential election and, and Bernie Sanders. Uh, what, what do we make of both El Sayed's performance and Rashida Tlaib's win in the 13th Congressional District? Well, I'll just say this. I, I don't have any reason to disbelieve that Tlaib has won. She has declared victory. Mm -hmm. I'll just say we have not called that race yet because of the no. Wayne County voting issues. Okay, okay. Um, so, you know, she declared victory, but I'll also say I remember four years ago, uh, the <laughs> AP declared her the victor in a state Senate race, and it turned out that and was wrong. she wasn't. And she no, lost. I, yeah. So, I, you know, it's sort of like fool me once, shame, you know, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. We're being cautious on that one. Okay. Um, nonetheless, she obviously has run a very strong race, uh, and uh, if she did pull it off, um, you know, it is certainly a sign that, uh, you know, her, her brand of aggressive, progressive politics um, won out over establishment democratic mm -hmm. politics, mm -hmm. for sure. Yes. Um, you know, and clearly is, is, you know, showed some real oomph in that district. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, I would say that I think Abdul Al-Sayed, relative to expectations, uh, underperformed mm -hmm. last night. Uh, I think... There was, um, you know, some of what there, there were some Democrats were telling us that race had tightened, not that it was close, but that, you know, the idea that El Sayed could finish within 10 points wasn't totally implausible. Mm -hmm. um, he did not come anywhere close to doing that. Um, and I understand what people are saying. Well, if you combine the, the Shri vote with the El Sayed vote, it's, you know, uh, close to 50%. I haven't looked at where the exact numbers are at this morning. Um, but that, that's just not how it works. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer won a decisive, commanding victory uh, almost in every county in the state. And after all the talk that she was going to, she was tanking in Detroit, that she wasn't resonating, you know, we'll see what the final numbers show. But she was right there. You know, she, she ran just fine in the city. Uh, no, she didn't blow anybody out, but she was right there. 
Um, so I, I think that the, the fact is that Gretchen Whitmer is, you know, about as liberal a Democratic politician as it gets. Yeah, sure. there were some distinctions on things like single payer yeah. um, and maybe on business tax incentives. But the idea that Gretchen Whitmer was not a liberal slash progressive Democrat really just didn't hold up. Um, you know, it, and I, I just don't think it resonated. And I think, you know, the momentum that you know, women have had in Democratic mm-hmm. politics uh, carried through. You know, even as there was talk that maybe the race was tightening and that Al Sayed was making was making a move. Um, you know, the Whitmer people remained supremely confident, and I just had the. You know, I, I thought that Al Sayed would end up doing better than he did, but I also figured if he was really becoming a threat, the Whitmer people would have gone negative on him a lot sooner. And yeah. the Whitmer campaign never went negative on television or in the mail against Sri Tanadar or Abdul Al-Sayed. They did not. They, did not. Uh, they, they were clearly very confident of their plan and what was happening. Um, and, you know, she pretty much kept it positive for yeah. the most part. You know, she talked about roads, she talked about water, she talked about jobs, um, you know, and that, you know, that seemed to work for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach Gorchow, editor of Gongwer News Service, a capital state news service based in Lansing. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a really exciting fall. We will be talking to you again, I'm sure. I want to pivot now to welcome somebody else to the conversation about yesterday's primary elections here in Michigan. Phil Pavlo is a Republican state senator from the 25th District in St. Clair. Phil, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Ben, Stephen. Long time, no chat. Uh, yeah, I know. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, let's start with uh, your takeaway from yesterday. What did you find exciting or encouraging about the results uh, at the polls? Well, the, I think the most exciting and encouraging part of those results was me not having to be on the ballot. <laughs> right? This is the first time in how long that you don't have an <laughs> in election? So many years, <laughs> in 16 years. But you know what? I can... I can channel my excitement to the candidates, particularly in the thumb who, you know, have all worked hard and, you know, some of them got across the finish line and some didn't. It just goes to show you that the system that we have, um, while we can be critical of it mm-hmm. and we can pick it apart from every possible angle, I have to say, typically the person that deserves that seat gets there and it's because it's a reflection of the voters and how that individual communicated with the people um, that actually put them in office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Kelly, who's the lieutenant governor and was one of the candidates for the gubernatorial nomination in the Republican Party yesterday, said in his concession speech, which is posted online, he said, this is the Republican Party of Donald Trump, indicating that uh, Trump-backed candidates like Bill Schuette and John James uh, win primaries. Is this the party of Donald Trump in Michigan? And is that a problem going into the fall here in Michigan? Well, I think not only is it a Trump Republican Party in Michigan, but I think you can reflect that nationally. And, you know, what Donald Trump does have is he's been able to hold on to, you know, nearly 90 percent of the Republican base. And that translates well for candidates like John James and mm-hmm. Bill Schuette, mm-hmm. um across not only Michigan, but uh, but into Ohio and the special election that took place last night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trump's message is resonating with the base. And these are always about base turnouts, particularly in primary elections where you have your loyal of the loyal uh, that are coming out to, to participate. 
I haven't seen the numbers to see if you know what what our total turnout was going to be, but if nothing else, Donald Trump has um, you know clearly laid out a vision of where he believes the country should go, and people that align with that vision typically move forward in the process, and those who don't yeah. uh, become you know become cannon clutter. I guess right. <laughs> right. Uh, so if if you're going into the fall, though, you've got to attract. At least, if you're going to win statewide, you've got to attract a lot of independent voters, if not some liberal voters. Uh, if you're Bill Schuette, how do you, after bear-hugging the president the way he has all year, how do you pivot in order to say to people who may be very skeptical of Donald Trump or just opposed to him that they've got to vote for, for, for a Republican candidate for governor? How do you, how do, you do that? I think you connect the message of prosperity, uh, of security, and, and Bill Schuette, now that he's through the primary, is not going to run from Donald Trump. In fact, I expect to see the president, the vice, well, the vice president is here in Michigan today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect uh, that activity to continue all the way through. Uh, for me, I would be looking, you know, if I was waking up today and I was Senator Debbie Stabenow, I would probably get my team together and start rethinking my strategy on hmm. how uh, to hold on to that seat. Because not only has John James uh, got a wonderful story to tell and, and a great personal and, and story, just, no question. Done so many things and so energetic, but he, I watched him rise from an unknown to win this primary against a whole lot of money. And people connect. People connect with John James. Hmm. And in, in politics, you can have all the money and you can have the track record, but um, I think it kind of all goes away on Election Day, and the electorate is almost always right. Yeah. We don't always agree with the outcome, but um, <laughs> we are listening to you know the, the rumblings of the electorate. And the person who does the best job at connecting with those, whether they be anxieties over the economy, health care, immigration, um, the person that can connect, I, I think, is John James in that case. So I, I'm going to be really interested to see how that dynamic unfolds. Yeah. Okay, Phil Pavlo, state senator from the 25th district in St. Clair. Congrats on not having to be on the ballot yesterday. <laughs> and uh, the, the having only to... thing better than not being on the ballot <laughs> is winning the night before and taking your yard sign. So, so. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, as always, great to have you here on Detroit Today. Okay, see you soon, Stephen. Thank you. Up next, we are going to talk with Congressman Dan Kildee, get his reaction to yesterday's primary results, and talk about how things could shape up in Congress this fall. We'll also later hear from Debbie Dingell, Congresswoman from Michigan as well. Also, don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. We are talking today about 
all of the news that emerged from the primary elections here in Michigan yesterday. Uh, Democrats and Republicans choosing their candidates for governor. We have a winner, or we think we have a winner, in the 13th Congressional District, the person who will replace John Conyers in Congress. And uh, there were lots of other local issues on the ballot yesterday. We want to hear from you all hour about the thing that jumped out to you yesterday uh, from all of the balloting and the news. Is it the governor's race? Is it uh, the Trump effect? Is it the year of the woman? Think about what we're seeing shape up on the Democratic side of things in this state. Women in place to run for all of the top offices. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Joining us now to talk more about what we saw yesterday is Dan Kildy, Democratic Congressman for the 5th District, Flint Township, Dan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So uh, let's start with you telling us what uh, you learned from last night's primary results. What did you find really exciting about what we saw? Well, I think what we saw in Michigan is what we've been seeing in other places around the country, and that is there. A, there's a lot of energy uh, within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that comes from reaction to uh, this president and the, the rantings that he is, in, you know, engaged in, and and I think the the anxiety that he's creating among the electorate. But I, I think it's bigger than that in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think you know you mentioned earlier um, this could be the year of the woman. We have a, an incredible number of great candidates mm-hmm. running, mm-hmm. Um, a big number of women, a record number of women women running for governorships and congressional seats. That's a good thing. Uh, I think our government. Uh, if we succeed, we'll look more like the people that it serves. Yeah. And that's that's a big step in the right direction for us. So let's talk about the prospect of uh, blue wave this fall. There's been a lot of media commentary about that. Uh, some pollsters are starting to say that seems to be the way things are, are, are shaping up. Uh, at the same time, we see this surge on the right, uh, on the far right, uh, inside the Republican Party. Uh, I think uh, the the win by Bill Schuette yesterday re- represents that. I think the win by John James in the Senate primary uh, shows that that's true. Is this is is this going to be a year that Democrats can push back against the wins that Donald Trump had in 2016, or is the president going to solidify and uh, and go uh, go deeper into sort of uh, control? Well, a lot can happen between now and November, but the way I look at it is that there's a surge of interest in the Democratic Party across the spectrum. We saw more people voting in the Democratic primary, for example, than in the Republican primary by a pretty significant margin. If there's a surge in the Republican Party, it's within the four walls of the existing Republican Party, which is getting smaller by the day. The surge is of ideological right-wing uh, individuals who are either, you know, espousing these, I think, really antiquated policies or seem to have sort of wrapped themselves around Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So if there's a surge, it's not that they're growing. It's that the, uh, the, the really hard right ideologues within the Republican Party are taking over the increasingly smaller party, which gets smaller by the day. Mm-hmm. And so those ideologues stand out. 
Yeah. Uh, Moderates are fleeing the party. I was going to say, they're they're fleeing that party. Uh, if you were Bill Schuette, if you were John James, and you wake up this morning having won your primary by, as I said a little earlier in the program, and bear-hugging uh, Donald Trump, would, would you think that doubling down on that is the strategy to win in November? Or do these guys have to pivot in some important way in order to attract the independent voters that we all know end up making a lot of the decisions here? Well, let's take Bill Schuette just to start off with. When you have a track record as long as he does, which he's, he's proud of, and there's mm-hmm. no reason, I suppose, he you know it's his record, he, he has to stand for it. You really can't pivot at this point in time. Uh, you can't pivot after 30 years. Uh, if you have no record and you just said a bunch of things and you want to change your mind and say something else, I suppose that's more possible, although it doesn't speak to anybody's, you know, r- you know the, their consistency. Uh-huh. But in the case of Bill Schuette, if he wakes up today and says, now I have to pivot, um, does he drop all of the litigation that he filed uh, against the United States government and Barack o- when Barack Obama was president of the United States to try to take health care away from individuals who earned it for the first time in their lives? Mm-hmm. Does he decide that people should not be able to marry the people they love because of his ideological points of view? He has a record of having filed cases to take those rights away from people. So this is not simply a matter of him deleting a tweet. He's got a real record that he can't run away from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Dan Keldy, Democratic congressman for the 5th District here in Flint. Uh, We're talking about yesterday's primary balloting here in Michigan and all the results and the news that emerged from those votes. We want to hear from you about the things that jumped out at you about what we decided yesterday about who will be on the ballot for governor in the fall, who will replace John Conyers in Congress, all the local issues as well. Uh, What are the things that you are going to be paying the most attention to as we get into the fall campaigns? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Greg on Twitter says, so maybe it would be a good time to consider making the city clerk an appointed professional position instead of an elected one. That's somebody else talking about all of the problems that we saw with voting here in the city of Detroit yesterday. And then the ballot counting in Wayne County, which is still going on and was all over the map uh, last night. Uh, we're still waiting for reliable numbers to emerge in a number of races out of that uh, out of that county. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Yeah, the strongest thing that Whitmer could do to win in November would be to make Abdul al-Sayed her lieutenant governor. Gene, you are a man after my own heart. I have been saying that for several months, uh, and I will uh, I will give you all the credit. I know how how much you pay attention to these things and and think about them. I think it, I think that's a great great idea, uh, Dan Kildy. I, I first said that after uh, the debate up on Mackinac and the performance that Abdul El-Sayed uh, uh, was able to put in for that for that debate. I, th- I, I thought to myself, here's a guy 
who has a lot of very clear ideas about what he would like to do. Uh, he's very enthusiastic about them. Uh, and there was great excitement for him. I thought to myself, well, why would why wouldn't you, if you were Gretchen Whitmore and you were going to win, why wouldn't you want that as part of your campaign? And doesn't that then sort of inoculate you against the effect of Bernie Sanders, for instance, on Hillary Clinton in 2016? Well, I, I certainly think it's something that that uh, Gretchen should consider. I mean, I, I don't pretend to know all the um, potential candidates that she may have in mind now. I think she's right to have waited until this primary was over with to really speculate on this. But look, Abdul is an incredibly talented guy with great ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and he obviously demonstrated that during the campaign, whether it is a good fit for him personally or a good fit uh, for Gretchen. Um, that's yet to be determined. But I would agree uh, that he's a formidable force in Michigan politics. Mm -hmm. And that's not going away. And he should certainly be on anyone's shortlist for lieutenant governor. He didn't come as close as I thought he would in the numbers, but the enthusiasm that, that I think uh, he engenders is reminiscent of of what Bernie Sanders was able to yeah, do. Yeah, you know, I mean, the a ticket, you know, is made up of lots of moving parts. And, you know, who knows? Again, I don't want to prejudge. Uh, I think there are a lot of... Uh, of people who could fill that spot, you know, quite effectively. But, mm -hmm. you know, he certainly would be one of them. And he did bring a lot of new people uh, to the party and maybe even people who had been sort of on the sidelines of politics in general. Uh, the fact that we had such a big increase uh, over 2016 in Democratic primary participation is, you know, obviously attributable largely to the fact that, you know, we had a, a spirited primary. But that means that folks showed up to vote in a primary election in Michigan, yeah. who had never done that before, right. who hadn't done it in a very long time, and that's a good thing. And I think I think Abdul uh, gets some credit for that. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Terrence in Detroit. Terrence, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, hey, you got to turn your radio down, Terrence. You're here for your shirt. Parents. All right. Uh, we'll go do he's another call. He's getting his shirts. He's getting his shirts. <laughs> Let's go to James in Southfield. James, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, gentlemen. How hey, are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, you know, uh, kind of to follow up on what the caller was saying, it's going to be, to me, really important who uh, Gretchen Whitmore selects as her lieutenant uh, running mate because you know, I, I still think she's going to need to ultimately do a lot better in Detroit. You know, surprisingly, Shuey has spent a fair amount of time in Detroit, and there are people that like him. And I, I'm not exactly sure I understand why, but there are some people in Detroit that like him. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, she didn't come to Detroit to the latter part of her campaign yeah. for the most part. And I think she's going to need to do a better job with that. Hmm. James, thanks very much for the call. And the comments, she does seem to have a little bit of a Detroit problem, uh, in, in, again, in terms of that enthusiasm that you want for uh, her candidacy. I wonder if that is true in Flint, where, uh, where you're from, Dan Kelly. Does she have just as much an issue uh, with, with the population there? You know, I saw a lot of enthusiasm for her. We did a rally uh, late last week with her, and it was really well attended. And I think she struck uh, a chord that people in Flint really understand. But I think there is something in places like Flint and Detroit um, who, you know, have experienced long periods of economic malaise mm -hmm, mm -hmm. through periods of growth and through periods of decline. 
And I think very often people in communities that feel left behind, even though obviously there are good things going on here, don't get me wrong, but it's a long-term struggle to get these communities back on their feet. Yeah. And folks who've gone through that tend to be a little more cynical generally about politics. And I think particularly, um, you know, in, in this year, we're going to have to, we're going to have to deliver a message. I, I think at the end of the day, folks who live in Detroit are going to look at these two candidates and they're going to ask themselves, who's best for me? Yeah. Who gets me? Who is most likely to not just talk the right talk, mm -hmm. but actually put forward policy that will make a difference in my life? And I think when it comes to that question, there's just no doubt that Gretchen Whitmer is a far superior candidate than Bill Schuette could ever be. Okay, Dan Keldy, Democratic congressman from the 5th District in Flint Township. Uh, as always, great to see you here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. We will be talking to you throughout the fall, I'm sure, as well. Also, congratulations, Dan. Uh, I understand you were uh, a victor yesterday as well. Won my primary. I know it was a nail-biter, but uh, you pulled it out. <laughs> okay, up next, we are going to have Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of the 12th district here in Michigan here to talk about last night's results. We're going to talk about the year of the woman. We'll talk about the replacement for John Conyers. Of course, we want to keep hearing from you as well. What jumped out to you about yesterday's primary elections? Stay tuned for more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for joining us. We're talking about the primary elections in Michigan yesterday, all of the decisions that we made about who will represent the major parties in the race for governor, who will replace John Conyers in Congress, and a host of other local issues. And joining us now to talk about what we learned yesterday and what we might see this fall is uh, one of my favorite people to have here on the program, Debbie Dingell, the Democratic congressman from Congresswoman from the 12th District. She is uh, uh, lives in Dearborn and represents uh, a large part of Southeast Michigan. Debbie, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. And yeah. it is always good to be with you. Yes, it's great to have you here. Uh, let's start with what you think we learned from last night's primary results. Uh, what are we looking at going into the fall? So I'm still waiting to do some analysis of some of the numbers. Wayne, uh, Wayne County is out, as mm -hmm. you know. We mm -hmm. still haven't gotten those numbers. I think uh, Gretchen Whitmer had a decisive win inside the Democratic Party, uh, and that is good. And I also think it was the night of women. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. There were some real surprises. Like a lot of people were trying to write off Erica Geis in the Senate seat. And not only were they wrong about writing her off, but she got 70-some percent of the vote and won Westland, yeah. which was a seat that Bill Wilde was running in. Yeah. Uh, the, it, uh, it, the progressives uh, came on strong at the end. It, they've energized a lot of people. Uh, what I want to do is get in there and really do a vote analysis, how uh -huh. many women voted. So go to Ann Arbor, where Abdul was strong, but so were a lot of women that didn't vote last time that are just very frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm a numbers person, you know me, I go by gut and reading, and I, I really want to get in there and analyze the numbers. Yeah. But I think women did very well. Haley Stevens won uh, in the 11th, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. many people thought she was an underdog. I was going to say, that one surprised me more than some of the others. I didn't think she would beat 
for instance, Tim Grimal, uh, who is a name who, uh, you know, at least people are used to voting for in a, in a big part of that that district, uh, that that came out of nowhere for me. Well, it didn't come out of nowhere for me. Like somebody else didn't come out of nowhere <laughs> for me two right? years ago. So she really, you know, she worked very hard in that race. And uh-huh. the institutional players lined up against her. Yes, they did. Uh, so there's something to be said about where institutional players go. I think Gretchen Whitmer ran a strong campaign. And well, the Gretchen, who Gretchen is, not right. anybody else supporting her, but the history of who she is, being a woman. She's, you know, what I say about us as women is that we are problem solvers. Uh, we're used to balancing multiple balls in the air and taking care of different things. I think that that side of Gretchen yeah. uh, that I've known for a long time, the voters began to see. Uh, I think that we can expect a very interesting fall. I think people are going to try to remake this race into two sure. races. Yeah. Uh, one that happened here in Michigan two years ago, and even uh, Bill Schuette's already drawing resemblances uh, to previous administrations. Quite frankly, I think if Gretchen plays this right, they will make a serious mistake. But let, it's going to be a very interesting fall. And I predict Michigan is going to be ground zero. Donald Trump is going to, I think, play more strongly here than many people I may expect. I think that's right. Yeah. He wants to win this state, and we'll have to see how it plays out. So so as as you are oft reminding me, uh, you, you were one of the people who absolutely uh, saw what happened in 2016 coming, and well before— uh, the rest of us. Um, what are you seeing now? So, uh, does does yesterday's primary change any of the dynamic that we think helped Donald Trump win Michigan in 2016? And does that shape some of the fall? I mean, yeah, I, I am still scratching my head a little bit about uh, the enthusiasm that Bill Schuette and John James, the two winners in the gubernatorial and Senate primaries yesterday, are showing for the president. Uh, I'm not sure that Bill Schuette even needs the president's support to have won yesterday, but he seems to want it and want it badly. Is that a mistake given the things that have happened in the last two years, or is he right on track with where Michiganders still are? So I'm going to say that, first of all, I think those are two very different races. Yeah. Uh, Bill Schuette has a long record uh, and a lot of things that can be used against him, not standing up for the people of Flint mm-hmm. on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could go through a, a number of lists. I think Bill Schuette's counting on Donald Trump, energizing the base that he energized uh, for himself in the election two years ago. But what Bill Schuette is not recognizing is that he's also energizing all those people that didn't vote two years ago because they didn't think their vote mattered or they didn't like Hillary Clinton. They do know who they don't like now. Uh, and I think that that's going to energize people. I, I know that we've seen a, we have seen higher turnout statewide. I'm mm-hmm. still not quite sure what happened in Detroit. Like you're not, none of us are. I'd yeah. like to have a better handle on it. It seems like things are getting worse on that front, not better. <laughs> I, I can't figure it out. It's just, it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, but I think Bill Schuette is going to have to be very careful. But the question is, I hope everybody that's listening to us understands that yesterday was exciting because we saw a higher voter turnout than we have seen in a long time. And that November having that higher voter turnout really matters. Yeah. 
Yeah. 313-577-1019, as always, is the number on the phones. Uh, I'm talking with Debbie Dingell, Democratic Congresswoman from the 12th District here in Michigan. We're talking about yesterday's primary election results, what they mean, and what we are likely to see unfold during the fall as we move toward the November general election. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Sherry in Westland. Sherry, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Hi, Debbie. Hi there. How are you? I'm wonderful. After uh, having a really uh, trying time with my vote yesterday, I was one of those women that was completely undecided. I voted in the Democratic primary, mm-hmm. and I was really um, leaning toward Al Sayed. I love his passion. I love his enthusiasm. Um, needless to say, I'm a woman, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, in the end, I voted a referendum on experience in government. And and so you so, voted. You ended up voting for Gretchen instead of Abdul. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, and yeah. I, I hope. Um, I plan to, you know, work for the DNC this uh, coming uh, electoral season. And I would really, um, my play is to play on electing people who have experience in government. Right. Uh, right. But also stand up for progressive values. And that's, you know, I think we need to talk about that. I think we need to talk about health care. We need to talk about uh, minimum wage. We need to talk about uh, the environment and how we are taking back all these uh, environmental, the progress that we've made, the global climate change is real. People care about these things. And but then we can get pragmatic too, by the way. And I think that there isn't a single Michiganian or Michigander that has <laughs> not experienced a serious pothole yeah. sometime in the last two right. years. And that there's a pragmatism to all of our lives, too. We need to fix the damn roads. Well, and and but when we talk about that progressive agenda, do, do you feel as though we are losing the support for that in places like Michigan, that, that even though people might say, yeah, I need better health care, yeah, I need a better job, that they don't connect that with the policymaking uh, that happens at the state and and federal level in the same way. And so someone like Donald Trump who comes along and says, I can fix all of those things in a way that uh, that doesn't ask you to sacrifice anything, that'll cost you less money, uh, all of these promises – uh, that that it doesn't it it doesn't connect anymore. That that are uh, are progressives no, you know, losing that argument? I am actually going to say so. I as you know, on a given weekend, I'll do twenty thirty events, mm-hmm. and in the last two months, the number one issue that people bring up to me every place. It's always the most moving. Quite frankly, is when I take John to the doctor, mm-hmm. which is I say to people, it's more effective than having a town hall, but. Um, people are paying more for their, many people are, not everybody, are paying more for their health insurance plans, paying higher deductibles. Mm -hmm. We need to do something about that. And quite frankly, one of the reasons is is because President Trump has destabilized the market. But when the real anxiety went up was when he refused to defend pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I took John to the doctor and a 50-year-old woman that had had a stroke last year said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be able to get insurance. I'm not going to, I could die. And, you know, five minutes later, the mother of a juvenile diabetic said, I I don't know what kind of future my child's going to have. 
she may not live to have, I mean, we're talking life and death. And the other thing that you hear every place is the cost of drugs, the cost of their medicine. And it is, you know, we say it so much, you think it's rote that a senior is choosing between uh, their medicine and their uh, eating, but that's not, that is not right. No, it is real. It's real. I cannot tell you how many seniors who are on insulin or have told me they're cutting their pill in half. Or I mean, we have a crisis mm-hmm. in this country, and it is from children to seniors about whether they can afford to go to the doctor. And I do believe strongly that if you live in America, you've got a right to affordable quality health care, and that we've got to work together to get that figured out so that people don't have to worry whether they can go if they're sick, and if they are sick, whether they can afford the medicine they yeah. Uh, I, I want to have you talk some about this idea of 2018 being the year of the woman uh, in politics. Certainly here in Michigan, we have women at the top of uh, the tickets uh, on the Democratic side for all of the top races. Uh, is that going to carry through to the fall? And uh, do you think we will end up with uh, with a record number of women in office here in in Michigan. I would like, let me say that I don't think that people should vote for somebody because they're a man or a woman. Sure, they sure. should vote for the best person for the job. But I think more women uh, women tend not to run as often as men do mm-hmm. because they don't have the money, they don't have access to the money, they don't have enough confidence to do it. They are the ones that are balancing balls and taking care of everything. I think women are beginning to realize that bringing a woman's perspective, uh, bringing their problem solving to the table might actually improve of the public policy that mm-hmm. we are seeing. So I think that when I say people are going to vote for uh, any of us because they think we can do the job and we're going to produce on the job. I think more women have felt confidence, have been not happy with the direction that they see our government going and have been willing to run. Mm-hmm. I also think that a lot of women last time didn't think their vote mattered, didn't know how they felt. And when they see the direction of this country, what they see is happening in both Washington and Lansing, that they're not happy with it. They're worried about their families. They're worried about their children. And they want to see people get elected to office that are going to try to solve problems, not get into test run fights and prove who, you know, pound the chest, but really do something that's going to make this state and their community better. Yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Colleen in Detroit. Colleen. Welcome to Detroit today. Hello, Stephen. Thank Hi. you. Sure. Um, I uh, have a conspiracy theory that I'd like to share. Okay. Um, if I were a foreign government and I wanted to test my hack for the next election, I'd do it in Wayne County. Um, <laughs> wow. Because everybody's going to say, "Oh, Detroit, Wayne County." You know, you know how those people are. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Um, senator Knizik is my senator. He's well-loved in this community. He comes to community meetings even when he's not running. Mm -hmm. So when I see a red flag like that, I get really worried, and I'm wondering if anybody else can buy into maybe there's a problem here. Right, right. Uh, Colleen, great uh, great questions, and uh, that's a little... It's a little bit of a dark uh, conspiracy, given the things that we're learning are going on in uh, in the country with regard to people interfering with our elections. Uh, Debbie, Wayne County is a part of uh, your your district. Uh, it, it's not acceptable the way that this goes on each time, and it's this is not the first time 
but my question is always, what, what, what do we do uh, to fix that? So I, I just want to say to Colleen that I'm not a conspiracy theory, you know, person. Sure. And I love David Knesset like the, the way that you do. But here is a reality. It was only last week that every member of Donald Trump's cabinet that has anything to do with national security, homeland security, got up and said, it is clear that the Russians are trying to interfere in our elections again. Mm -hmm. And the United States House of Representatives and the United States Senate refused to vote additional money to make our electoral process safer. So... I want accountability on what happened in Wayne County. It's unacceptable. We need to understand. We need to do a thorough investigation of the facts, figure out where the numbers were, what happened. Mm -hmm. And every one of us needs to understand that when the president's part leaders, the cabinet members, are telling us they know they are trying to cause trouble, we must be aware, we must be concerned, we must pay attention, and they need to ask their legislators why they didn't vote for more money to keep our electoral process safe. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, there are just things that we're doing at the state level here that that seem like we're not we're not enforcing, uh, you know, safety and security with, with, with regard to elections. I mean, we, we don't spend enough money on this is my, my biggest fear. I, I think that's right. That's one of the reasons we were trying to get more money from the national level to put into the states. Yeah. I, I, quite frankly, at times don't know who's accountable in Wayne County. I think every last one of us needs to scream and say, what is wrong? What happened? And that the, does the clerk report to the county commissioners, to the county executive? We all need to demand accountability. What happened? And do you need more money? And if we need more money, let's go in and figure it out. And I think the governor should care about what's happened. I think every one of us needs to worry about having a fair and safe electoral process, which involves a lot of other things too, but this is one. Uh, Quickly before uh, we run out of time, I've got about a minute, but I want to just get your reaction to Rashida Tlaib. Great story there. Uh, First Muslim woman elected to Congress replacing uh, John Conyers, uh, a legend uh, in Congress. Uh, How big a deal is that? I love Rashida. I've known Rashida since she was a kid, so I don't want to be that old and she's not that (laughs) young. But, um, you know, I mean, I think it's a very complicated district. And uh, I want to be 100% sure that she won the election. I think Brenda Jones is you know, a great public servant in the city of Detroit. And Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have some, she's going to have to make a decision. We need the numbers. We don't, did she win the special election? Did she not win the special election? Yeah, well, that's part of the Wayne County craziness. But Rashida has passion. She is smart, she is savvy, and she fights for her people. I think, I I mean, I'm pretty intense and passionate, so I love that kind of spirit. But I think some of my colleagues may not quite be ready for, think of, Debbie Dingle and Rashida ticked <laughs> off together. Right. And uh, Ed Haley. <laughs> I don't think I want to be in that room. <laughs> okay, Debbie Dingle, <clears throat> Congresswoman from the 12th District here in Michigan. It's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.